Well, we are in the second week in our series, and, um, and last week, oh, I just really, really have been praying all week about last week's sermon and how it really landed with you. I was praying that uh, you left really willing to give it a try, to just kind of get raw with God, just to kind of come out from behind those trees we talked about and just really being vulnerable with him. And uh, I've been praying all week for you. I've been praying that if you really did give it a try, that God met you right away. Um, we're going to talk about that today a little bit more because I know sometimes it does feel like there's some there's a little bit of headwind. There's a little bit of uh, push through that's needed. And so as I've been trying to carry you to the Lord this week, I've been praying that that right away you would just sense the Lord is 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 responding to you trying to get vulnerable and real and raw with him. So I hope so. Uh, we always talk about this. The sermon, what really is important is not how it feels on, on Sunday, but how it really changes us on Monday, right? So my prayer is that, honestly, by, by the time we're done with this series, but even today's sermon, that you're just like, I, I, I'm going to go pray. Like, I am going to go pray. And God gave us a three-day weekend, you guys. Come on, an extra... For some of us, an extra little uh, margin in the schedule to go pray, right? That's what you want to do on President's Day weekend, right? Like, I'm going to go pray. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Hey, um, have you guys been hearing about what's happening in, in, in Kentucky um, and, and Asbury Seminary? You guys been hearing about this? So this is incredible. If you haven't heard about this, there was a, there's a seminary in, in Asbury, uh, Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. I think it's like Wilshire, Kentucky or something like that. Um, one of my professors actually is a professor there. And so um, it's been really cool to hear him talk to us. He's been letting us know about what he's been seeing. But there was a, uh, on February 8th, there was a chapel. They have a weekly chapel. And on Wednesday's chapel, it was a normal chapel. But after chapel was over, about 20 students hung out after chapel, and they just felt um, drawn to pray and to, and to just sit together and worship. Well, pretty soon, others joined, and others, that chapel has not stopped. They have been worshiping and praying together since, right? And there's a picture of it. Yeah, they're just flooding this chapel. In fact, uh, it's been kind of moving uh, into other uh seminaries and Christian colleges. I've heard they've been doing this at Cedarville, at Wheaton, other schools as well. And you know what? I'm just telling you what, this is Generation Z, right? That some people try to write off this young generation. And what I love about these guys is it's not about the lights and the, and the, and the, and the professionals and the celebrity. It's just about people, ordinary people, just saying, let's pray together and let's just sing and let's just read God's word. They're just, they're interested, not in this giant, like, you know, uh, production, they're interested in just encountering Jesus. And guys, if, if you're in that older generation, let me just tell you, we need to be thanking God that he's moving in this young generation, right? Because that's the future of our church. That is the church, right? So man, I'm excited about what God's been doing. And since we're in this prayer series, I'm like, how could I not mention that? Like, that's incredible. Uh, so keep praying. Pray for this next generation. We're about to take a group of students uh, on a mission trip next week. We're going to be leaving. Uh, I'll be here next Sunday, but as soon as church is over uh, that night, I'm catching a flight. So many people, others are taking um, uh, different tri trips to different places. I'll be taking uh, 36 people to Guatemala, and it's going to be awesome. There's some Guatemala. Yeah. So it's going to be great. Well, you know, as I, as I was thinking about um, our series, I was thinking about what God was doing in our, in our church last week um, and about how 
We're in the middle of it, you know? We're in the middle of it. And I talked about last week, hey, when you're in the middle of it, you just really need to commit to praying. You need to stop like going through the motions and really get raw with God um, when you're in the middle of it. Let me just, I wanna make one comment that I didn't make last service, but I just, I, I, feel, I feel pressed to say this right now before we get into new stuff today. I believe that people can go through trials, they can go through heartache, they can go through trauma, and you can have two people go through similar situations, but have totally different outcomes on the other end of those things. And I want to say, I think the X factor is prayer. I want to just say this. I think that people who go through the trial, go through the fire, but they go through committed to being with God intimately in prayer. I'm talking about naked prayer, like we talked about last week. I believe at the end of that trial, it doesn't mean the trial goes away. It doesn't mean all of a sudden, you know, they, their life has this like kind of charm to it that they don't have trial. But what I think happens, what I believe happens is the heart, instead of becoming bitter, gets better. Instead of becoming uh, hardened, it becomes softer. Instead of becoming kind of like uh, angry at God, we just draw near to God because here's the deal. There's comfort in the rawness of our prayers. When you're going through the trial, guys, the enemy will tempt you to blame God for the trial and to, and to try it on your own, to go through that all by yourself because God isn't faithful and he's not there for you. Let me uh, contradict that lie with the truth. God has not left you because you're in a trial. God has not forgotten about you just because you're going through it. Let me tell you, God is willing and able and ready to pick you up and carry you through that trial. Don't leave Jesus when you're in the fire. Can, you be, can, I, can I get an amen to that? Come on, don't leave Jesus when you're in the fire. It reminds me of that story in, in Daniel. How many of us know the story in Daniel? Yeah, right? You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're staring at, you know, what's his name? They're saying, hey, you know, you can throw us in the fire if you want to. But just so you know, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, right, they say, He's, we're still not going to bow down to your idols, you know? You guys know that story? Some of you do. I kind of want to preach that story today all of a sudden, right? And what happens? They throw him in the fire, and they're like, hey, Neb. That was his name, Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, Neb. There was uh, three guys we threw in there, but now there's actually four guys walking around in there. And the other one looks uh, like the son of God, right? Like, what is going on here, right? Let me tell you, you don't have to be afraid of the fire when you got Jesus. He's going to be with you. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, I want to say this as a pastor, guys. Listen, draw near to Jesus when you're in the fire. Draw near to Jesus when you're in the fire. I want to talk about um, being close to Jesus today. Have you ever met somebody and they just, they, they just carry themselves with like this kind of confidence. And it's a little, it's kind of a, it's, you maybe even feel jealous about it. They just seem to like feel comfortable in their own skin. When, when they talk, people kind of listen, you know? And it could be because they, you know, they're the boss at work or, or whatever, but it also could be because they just have this reputation. Um, they just carry themselves with just this kind of, kind of authority, you know? Um, and, and people seem to, you know, lean in. And they just kind of carry themselves with, you know, a sense of like, you know, dignity and authority. Maybe it's their character or maybe it's, maybe it's even other reasons. Maybe it's even just their physical appearance. You know, people even be, and that's not fair, but that's how humans are. Is even before we meet someone, if we size them up and we feel like, man, they're, you know, they're kind of, they're good looking or they're, they're, they're powerful looking, right? Like we're going to listen, right? It could also be their temperament, their personality, 
that they, that they just maybe uh, choose their words carefully. And we see those kind of people and you might feel like, man, I, I wish I had a little bit of that. I wish that, you know, people listened when I talked, you know, I don't know. Um, but have you ever like met someone who has that same kind of quality, but it's with God? It's like they just seem to have this like authority. When they pray, you can just sense the heavens leaning in. It's like, it's like they, in fact, if you want someone to pray, you're going to find one of those folks. Like, hey, will you pray for me? <laughs> I just feel like, I just feel like you, God hears you. You know, last week we, we, we opened up the sermon reading a prayer that Jesus prayed. And I, I have to imagine that is exactly how it was whenever Jesus spoke. Even the text tells us, the gospels tell us, even when he spoke, even his enemies recognized that this man had authority. That when he spoke, like people listened and not just people, God listened. What was the secret? What was it about Jesus that gave him this authority, this confidence? What is it in some Christians that seem to Pray with just with ease and, and with like just the sense that I know God is hearing me. I have no doubt in my heart that I'm heard. And how can we get a little of that rubbing off on us, right? <laughs> Are you here this morning? Uh, I want to I show you what I think is the secret, the secret to the power of prayer. And I want to show you this in the life of Jesus and in the life of the disciples and then in our life. So I want to show you something. It's, it's, it's almost so obvious you can miss it. I want to look at the way, what happens in, when Jesus is baptized. And I want you to see something really interesting, a pattern that emerges. This is in Matthew chapter three. We could look at Mark, we could look at Luke, but I got to hurry. We're just going to look at Matthew. Here we go. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, so picture that. He's being baptized in the dirty, muddy Jordan River, John the Baptist with like camel skins and locusts, you know that guy, right? Baptizing Jesus like this rugged, right? Pulls him out of the water and it's like the heavens were opened. And it says this, that, that he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Jesus. And then this, it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You could read this in Mark. It says the same thing in Luke. Guys, I'm telling you, there's something happening here that is beautiful and I think it is foundational. I wanna make one point here. Jesus has not healed anyone. He has not preached a message. He has not given a parable. He hasn't done any great action, any heroic deed. He hasn't done anything other than just exist for 30 years. This is before Jesus does anything that we know of any note. And, and this is what's beautiful is the father loves the son before he does anything. Some of us need to know that right now. You do not have to earn the favor of, of the father. Come on. You do not have to win his approval by good behavior and good action. He loves you and you are someone who brings him great joy. Man, that's our identity. That's our identity. Friends, you gotta know that because I'm telling you, some of us in here and I'm one of those people that feel like I gotta earn it to, to receive it. Like it's somehow, is there something I gotta do to kind of earn God's love or earn approval? Guys, I'm wired that way. I can't help it. I don't think it's my parents' fault. I think it's just the way Brad was wired and you might feel the same way. And I just need to make a point here that the father says this about the son before he does a thing. 
We're going to fast forward a few years. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He looks at the boys. He says, hey, let's go on a camp, camp out. John, J- Peter, James, and John, let's, let's go on a little hike. So they're like, okay, Jesus, let's go hiking up the mountain. And they go hiking up the mountain. And, and honestly, there's this wonderful echo of Moses going up the mountain and Jesus going up the mountain, but the mountain's a lot different. Moses enters this thick, dark cloud of thunder and lightning and everyone was terrified. When Jesus goes up the mountain, instead of a thick, dark cloud of terrifying thunder and lightning, there's this beautiful, bright cloud that covers them. It's as if they've walked into heaven. And look what happens. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. Guys, this is beautiful picture of the father just lavishing love onto Jesus. In his baptism at this Mount of Transfiguration, look what Jesus says in John chapter five. He says, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. In fact, I had to, I had to kind of give this sermon a haircut because there were so many verses that I looked up that talks about how Jesus would, would articulate how he felt about the Father's love for him. Jesus just lived with this deep and profound sense that the Father loved him. Look at John chapter 17. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Look at this. To see my glory, the glory you've given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus just had this profound sense deep in his bones that he was just loved. He had no doubts of where he stood with the Father. He just had no, no, no doubt in his mind. I am so loved by the Father. He just loves me, right? In fact, there's this parable that Jesus taught once. And when I was going through all the places where the, the, there's verses about either when Jesus describes the Father's love for him or when there's a voice from heaven and all that. But this parable that Jesus taught, I almost like instantly like ugh, had tears come to my eyes because of the parable. And I'm going to tell you the parable. So Jesus is teaching. He's trying to explain to the audience about how God feels, how God feels about Israel and how it's been to be God in this relationship. It's been tough. Israel is just a stubborn people, right? And so God, Jesus gives this parable about it. And he says, look, okay, there was this man and he owned a vineyard and this vineyard was his. And so he rented it out to tenants and they made a deal that at the harvest, they would have a split in what was harvested. They would give the rent back to the owner and then they would keep the rest. And there was this partnership they were supposed to have with the renter and the, and the owner. And so it came finally, the, the, the long year was over and the owner, the, the vineyard owner, sends his servant to collect the agreed split. And so the first servant they send, they show up and all of a sudden they beat the guy. They don't give him anything and they send him back wounded. They send another servant and they kill him. And so the father or the, 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 the vineyard owner, okay, who is the father, he, he says, okay, man, I've sent two servants and they've been wounded or killed. <sighs> I know what I'll do. Look at this, Mark 12, verse six. This is Jesus, here's what he says. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all saying, they will respect my son. 
And if you don't know, the way the parable ends is rather than respecting the son, they kill him. They have this idea that, hey, this is the guy who, who, who would, who's the heir. If we kill him, we'll have this inheritance all to ourselves. And so instead of respecting the son, they kill him. And it's a picture of God's relationship with Israel. And ultimately, Jesus is predicting his own death. But I want to point out how he speaks of himself in the parable as a son whom the father loved. Listen, Jesus' identity was rooted in God's love. Jesus had no doubt about it. God loves me. It shows up in his parables. It shows up at the baptism, at the transfiguration. It shows up in his teaching. Jesus had no doubt. God loves me. And I want to say this. Jesus had this prayer life that was deeply connected to this identity that he was loved by his father. He prayed out of that deep sense of love. He prayed out of that deep sense of love. And sometimes um, we struggle with believing that God loves us. Sometimes it's just really hard. You can hear it, right? We all know it. John 3, 16, for God, so what? You guys know it, right? Most of you know that verse, right? And, and, and here's the thing. You can hear that. It's the most basic. It's the first thing you hear is as a, 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 maybe someone who goes to church is God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life, right? Or whatever. And we can hear it and we can hear it. And it's just so hard for us to receive it. Psychologists, they talk about attachment theory. And this is the um, understanding of how important the earliest attachments are that children have as when they're first just old enough to even exist, right? The very, very first moments uh, that a child will have in this life as a baby, not even able to fully talk, uh, how those initial connections are, are so critical. That if children don't have deep attachments with their caregivers, with their parents, if there's not love in those relationships, it, 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 it can potentially hurt you the rest of your life. It's crazy just how important attachment is, secure relationships knowing that you're loved. Listen, knowing that you're safe, knowing that you're seen. Guys, you can pretend it doesn't matter. I don't care. Liar. (laughs) Every human needs this. Listen, if we were plants, love would be water. Are you with me this morning? We can't survive without it. We were wired for connection. And it shows up in Jesus all over the place. In fact, there's one prayer that Jesus prays where you just see that it's like a little like glimpse. It's not even the main, the, the main emphasis of what's happening, but it's just like, wow, like that is crazy. In John chapter 11, Jesus is at his friend's grave. Mary and Martha have just like poured out their heart. They've said, if you were here, this would have happened. You guys know that story probably. And now Jesus is in front of this stone that's on top of this tomb that's in, you know, like the cave, like in front. And Jesus is about to pray. He says, roll that stone away. And look what he prays. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Look at this. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all the people here. So they will believe you sent me. I I love that. You always hear me. I love that. Guys, do you wish, the, I mean, let me ask you, deep, I want to speak to your soul right now, okay? Do you just wish deep in your heart you were rock solid assured he always hears you? 
when I pray, he always hears me. I mean, guys, that is the ache of every one of us in here to know we are heard by our father, to know that, to be sure of that. You always hear me. But sometimes I, I gotta say, sometimes that's not our experience. That's not my experience. God, are you hearing me? It's more often our cry. We sound more like the cry of a beggar than the poetry of a lover. We, we struggle so much like, God, is this relationship real? Are you there? It seems so dark. I've, I feel like I've lost you. Do you hear me? Guys, if you want this, listen, if you want this confidence in prayer, you gotta lean in to this identity that's ours. Listen, let me say this to you. Identity opens up the door to intimacy. If you wanna know that you and the Father are connected, if you wanna know that, man, when you pray, he listens, if you wanna have this authority, this confidence, if you wanna say, Lord, Lord, I just, I just love you, I, just, I am in this relationship with you and I just feel so safe with you, Friend, listen, you cannot get there if you just kind of throw up a few prayers here and there. This is the kind of thing that happens on the other end of long pursuits of Jesus. Who's gonna pursue Jesus? Guys, I'm, I'm asking you a question this morning. I want you to deeply think about this. Friend, listen, some of us need to be, we need to be convinced that you are loved you need to be convinced you are adopted because of what Jesus did on the cross. There is no more wrath. There's no more separation. There's no more shame. Like you are received fully. He knows everything you've done and he loves you anyway. And he's adopted you into his family. You have an identity that Jesus had. It's been given by grace to you. So listen, walk in intimacy. Your identity opens up the door for intimacy. Guys, it's available to us, but sometimes we don't walk in that. I want to show you something. So this was how Jesus felt but from the Father. I want to now pivot, and I want to show you how Jesus had the same kind of love that he received, that he gave to his disciples. Watch this, watch this. John chapter 13, Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave the world, to go to the Father. Look at this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. These disciples who were with Jesus, they received so much pure love from him. They were able to say, he loved us to the very end. The love that Jesus had from the Father went to him and then went to those disciples that they felt safe. Guys, have you read John? Have you read the the, the last supper scene in the book of John, they're literally laying on Jesus's chest. Like these guys were just like, I am safe. It is a picture, friend. It is a picture of what our relationship with God is supposed to be. We're supposed to feel safe. We're supposed to feel just secure. We're supposed to be able to tell them the deepest worries, our deepest fears, our innermost secrets. We are not supposed to feel ashamed. Like we talked about last week, we don't need to hide. Look what he says in John chapter 17. He says, I've made, this is his prayer. I've made you known to them. Jesus is talking to the father. and He's talking about his disciples. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order, here it is, that the love you have for me may be in them. You see that? This love that Jesus had that he just knew. He just, he had, no one could convince him otherwise. He just knew he was loved. It's now his goal was to say, okay, I want the love that you have for me to now be in them. This is a powerful, powerful foundation 
to everything else. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, look what he says. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Guys, I want you to think about how powerful this is. Why was it that Jesus had such authority and power in his prayer? Is because Jesus had a rock solid intimacy with the Father. So much so that he knew what the Father wanted. So that when he prayed, it was in total union with the Father's will. That Jesus just knew what the Father wanted. And so when he asked, it was already in the heart of God to give it to him. And look at that. So that you may ask for anything. Yes, they go back one for me. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And then he goes on. Look what he says. This is so powerful. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and, and remain in his love. See, this is, this is this beautiful thing that we're invited into as a believer. Listen, you're invited as a believer into this relationship that Jesus had with his father because Jesus has fully and forever received you as his own because you've been adopted into the family. You and I have the same relationship. Guys, this is powerful. The same access, the same intimacy potentially. All right, I'm gonna say potentially here that Jesus had with his father. Why did I say potentially? Potentially. <laughs> because not all of us are pursuing intimacy, right? Not all of us are saying, God, I just want to spend some time with you. God, I just, want to, I, just want to, I just want to believe by faith that you hear me, that I am who you say I am. I'm just going to, I, I'm just going to receive the love that is available to me. I'm not going to let the enemy tell me different. I don't know what those voices are that are accusing you that are reminding you of failure, reminding you of shame. Maybe it is a difficult relationship with a parent figure in your past. Guys, I think that's one of the biggest barriers that we have. Theologians will say, you know, most of us have a form, a, a, a form of our idea, you know, identity about God around our parents. And some of us have had challenging parents or challenging experiences. And so the image that we have in our minds about who God is, isn't this loving father that Jesus describes. It isn't this, this God who just pours out love. It's, a, it's an angry parent. It's a situation where you felt the displeasure, or you could never be good enough, or your brother was the favorite. That's like in my family, just joking. But there's always something, right? These scars, rejections, things that, things that, you know, you just struggle with growing up and you just think, I don't know if I can actually believe God really loves me that way. I've never, listen, I've never actually felt like anyone's loved me that way. See, our identity has to be rooted in God's love. If it's not, guys, we will not feel safe enough to be intimate with God. Are you with me today? Let me say this to you. Authority in prayer flows from intimacy in prayer. 
If you want that kind of authority, if you want that kind of confidence, if you want to know that God's listening when you pray, guys, there's only one route that, to that, and that is you just pursuing God with just all you have. Guys, let me say this. There is going to be times where you're not going to feel like God's listening. There are going to be times where you're going to feel like you're just praying to the wind. And I want to, I want to tell you something that Chris told me that I just love this. Because Chris is one of those people that have spent some time praying. And when he prays, you're like, yeah, I think God's listening, right? Uh, I, just, I, I just love my relationship with Chris. And he says, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll say, I don't know if I feel God right now. And he goes, you know what I'll do whenever that happens? If I don't feel God, I say, you know what, God? I don't feel you right now. But you know what? You're about to feel me. And you know what that means? He's like, hey, I'm going to press in right now. I, have a, I, have, I, have a, I feel like I want to lean out, but instead I'm going to lean in. I feel like maybe God's kind of got me at, a, at arm's length, but he isn't going to keep me away. I'm going to break through that. I'm not going to let any way I feel determine what I do. Come on. I'm not going to let the way I feel determine what I believe. I'm going to let God's word determine what I believe, and I'm going to press in and be, until I know he hears me. I'm going to be on the door until he opens it. Are you with me this morning? And some of us, some of us just don't, though. We take a couple knocks on the door. Well, the door ain't nobody home. I'm going to leave. Maybe God's just waiting. How many times are you going to knock on that door? It's not because he doesn't want to answer the door, open the door. It's because God knows who he is. He knows, he knows he's worthy of you pressing in a little bit he isn't, he, listen, I think there are sometimes God immediately answers, but that's when we're kind of like weak and, and maybe new in our faith. I think there are times God's like, listen, Brad, we've been, we've been out this a while. And I've been, I've, been, I've been answering every time, you know, you need your diaper changed, right? I'm there. But you're not a little baby anymore, Brad. And so I'm not, I'm not just going to answer every time you cry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how much you want my presence in your life. I'm going to pull back just a bit to see if you'll press in just a bit. Are you with me, church? I think this is critical to what it means to be intimate with God, to not let just the fact that the wind is blowing in my face, and this is a little harder than normal. Guys, listen, that's when you get a brother or a sister, and we're going to talk about this in two sermons, but that's when I get a brother or sister and I say, listen, I need some help right now. I need a brother right now to carry me. I'm really hurting. I've just gone through this painful thing. I'm in this middle of this storm. And I'll be honest, I, I just don't feel God. Will you, can I bar, listen, can I borrow your faith as we go into, the, into this dark night? Because I can't do this alone. Guys, you are not meant to do this alone. That's what the body of Christ is for. I'm starting to preach the wrong sermon. That's in two weeks, okay? <laughs> Guys, I think the early church was convinced about this. I think they were convinced that God loved them. I, in fact, guys, you got to give them a little grace. They don't know what we know. The early church didn't know all that we know. When they were with Jesus, when the early disciples were with Jesus, they didn't have a fully formed idea that God had become a man. Like they're just, they, Jesus is like a normal guy. And then they're just like, who is this guy, right? Like the wind and the waves, they obey his voice. Like, and so it's not, listen, it's not until Jesus rises from the dead that the church realizes he was God. In human, Yahweh rolled up his sleeves and became a human being. 
That's how much he loves us. And not only did he become a human being, he was nailed to a cross so that we could have a relationship with God. Guys, the early church, once they realized exactly what all happened, they were blown away by the love of Jesus, by the love of God. They were convinced that God loved them. In fact, what I did, I did a Bible study this week and I looked at every place after the book of Acts where anyone who writes a letter to the churches talks about how God loves them. And I counted love, loves, and loved. And I came up with 44 places where someone writes about how much God loves them. It is a powerful study. And if you have time tomorrow on your day off, pull out your Bible and do it. I want to show you how Paul opens up the book of Romans. One example. I didn't do 44 for you today, okay? Right, one. Here's one. To all who are in Rome, look at how he says it. Loved by God. Man, guys, how would have that felt if you were like a Gentile who used to worship, I don't know, Zeus or, you know, Asclepius or whoever, right? Where every time you're in, in, a, in a temple, you're just hoping not to, not to make the gods angry. And you're like giving these sacrifices, right? So that your, you know, your, your wife has the baby and it's okay or whatever, right? And then to find out that the one true God is not like any of those capricious deities who you can never please, but in fact loves you so very much that he put on flesh and was nailed to a cross. Guys, how that would have radically shifted everything for you. So that you get a letter from the Apostle Paul and you're in Rome, and he writes to all who are in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Look at how this cashes out in the book of Galatians. He says this, because you are his sons, there's that adoption language, and daughters, because you're adopted, okay? He says, God sent the spirit of his capital son, S son, into our hearts. Look at this, the spirit who cries out, let's all say it, Abba, that's daddy language. That's the language of Jesus and his father. Guess who's praying that? We are. Guys, we're in that same place. We're in the same intimate spot where Jesus was when he would pray. The Abba Father language comes from Matthew, Mark chapter 14. When Jesus is praying at the worst moment in his life, he's just pouring out his prayer. Oh, I want to go there in the Bible, but we'll do it next week. Guys, Mark chapter 14, look it up. He is at, he's at the worst point. And he just prays, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This, that's the Abba language. The early church, guys, the early church learned to pray like that because they learned they had the same relationship with the Father that Jesus did because they'd been adopted into that family because of what Jesus has done. Can we say hallelujah for that? That's beautiful, friends. So here's my question. How come my prayers don't sound like that? How come I don't pray that way? Man, what stops me from praying like a lover? Praying like I'm in love? Praying like I'm just talking to my old friend? What, what keeps me from being vulnerable and intimate? I talked about this a minute ago. You know, it could just be the way 
we were raised. It could be trauma in our past. It could be ideas that we just struggle believing that we're actually forgiven, that God actually would want us. I loved what Justin shared before he shared communion with us. His feelings of unworthiness. Guys, can I say this to you? There are no second string Christians. There are no God's favorite group and then the rest of us kind of Christians. Guys, that doesn't exist. We are all adopted brothers and sisters of the most high God. You and I need to walk around saying, hey, I'm gonna tell you who my daddy is. Nobody can tell me different. I've been adopted by the, by the father. Guys, listen, that's yours. That is available to you. Don't stop thinking that God has these favorites that he spends more time with, that he cares more about and that when they pray, he, he's willing to listen. But then there's the rest of us who are kind of in the peanut gallery just watching. Like, that's not true, but we make it true. Guys, we make that true because the problem isn't on his end, it's on our end. Guys, anyone who seeks God can find him. Didn't Jesus say that? You have not because you what? Ask not, right? And he says, that's what, that's what James says. But then when Jesus is speaking about it, he says, listen, I need you to knock on the door and I need you to seek and I need you to realize that if you keep knocking, you keep thinking, you're going to find. Guys, I, I got to just say this. Man, it's available to you. The access has been granted. You have an all-access paid pass to the backstage. Like, you are welcome. But sometimes we just don't walk into that. But other times, and this is where I want to end today, we let the enemy trip us up. We let the enemy get into our relationship with the Father and tempt us with counterfeits. And instead of denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following Jesus, we yield to temptation and we invite sin into our life and we wound the love that we have. Let me say this to you guys. Sin kills our confidence. Why are you not confident in your relationship with God? Why don't you walk in this authority Sometimes it's because we have unconfessed sin. It's the thing that's in our closet. It's the shadow side. It's the skeleton no one knows about. It's the browser history on our computer. It's our anger that we don't repent from. It's, it's the thing that Satan says, yes, I put a stronghold in his life. See, Satan... He really only has one desire, and that's to separate you and me from God's love. That's what he wants to do. Now, listen, if you've accepted Christ, let me tell you, Romans tells us, and I read this this week, I loved it, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, but let me tell you something. Although nothing can separate you from the love of God, listen, when you and I give yield to sin, the relationship suffers. And although we are securing God's arms, listen, I'm gonna tell you, we don't feel the love that we have available to us because we've wounded that relationship. John will say it this way. If we claim we have no sin, <laughs> we're only deceiving ourselves or fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth, but here it is. But if we'll confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. Guys, sin has power because we keep it in the dark. But the minute we confess, it loses that power over us. That, that, 
revival that's happening in Kentucky, I was reading about it. You want to know one of the main things they're doing? They're coming forward and they're just confessing. And, and the power of those unconfessed sins are, are just evaporating. And they're just experiencing such love, such freedom. How many of us in here are in prisons of our own making? And we could have this intimacy with the Father if we'll just confess. I want to end with one last story. And if there was ever a sin in the Bible that I would never want to commit, I pray I never do, it's the one that Peter did. You guys know that one? It's on the night when Jesus was betrayed. Instead of staying next to Jesus, he denied even knowing Jesus. That was an awful low point for Peter. Can you imagine the shame that he felt? Do you imagine how he felt Jesus, what he probably thought Jesus thought about him? Jesus is at the cross dying and Peter's not there. The one who said, I'd never deny you, did just that. Has that ever been you? The thing you said you'd never do, you did? And now the devil's like, yeah, don't even think about coming back to God. He wants nothing to do with you. Well, if you know the story, after Jesus rises from the dead, he appears to his disciples many times. One morning, he shows up, and he's on the seashore of Galilee. And he looks at Peter, and he says, hey, Peter, let's go on a walk. They're on a walk together. And he turns to Peter, and he says, are you sorry for what you did? He didn't say that. You feel bad about it? He didn't say that. He asked him one question. What did he ask him? Do you love me? Wow. The only thing Jesus cared about is that Peter and Jesus could be back together again. Jesus had no interest in dragging Peter through the mud of shame. He had no interest in raking Peter through the coals. He had only one interest. Peter, do you love me? Guys, that's exactly how God feels about you. Do you love him? Don't let shame, don't let your mistakes, don't let all those things be your story. Instead, confess those things, repent of those things, and just restore that love relationship that's available to you. Can we pray? Can we stand together? I want to just end today. I want to end today with a... Um, with what I hope happens tomorrow. I hope that we run to our closets on a prayer walk, alone with Jesus, and maybe it even starts right now. And I pray that whatever might be in the way between you and God right now, it gets thrown out and that you just tell God, like, like only a lover can. I love you. And I want to be close to you. And I'm going to believe what the Bible says. And I'm going to walk in this truth. Father, I'm praying for my church right now, this church that I'm so blessed to be a part of 
and to help shepherd. God, I'm asking that every single person in this room would just step into the relationship that's available to them. If there's some here today that have never trusted Jesus, really, they've never become a Christian yet, I pray that today would be the day they would ask Jesus into their life. Father, I pray that today would be the day they would repent. They would turn. They would receive the grace of God. But God, I am praying every follower of Jesus in this room would pray with the heart of a lover, would pray like their heart's on fire, that we would not stop until we are in your presence, that we would pursue you. Father, would you help us? I pray this in Jesus' name.